The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at karm.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick, and you're listening to Matt Slick Live. And today is August 30th, 2023. If you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. And if you want to email me, you can. All you have to do is, uh, I'll get new stuff coming up. Just email me at at, uh, info at carm.org c-a-r-m dot o-r-g and uh, just put in the subject like radio question or radio comment and if you want to just make a comment hey love the show don't like the show uh, think you're a jerk I love those uh, so yeah, I'm serious I really do you can uh, you can send me stuff uh, if you enjoy the show and maybe you could even you know here's a little something fun spontaneous kind of a thing you could say uh, you know how long you've been listening and uh, what have you learned uh, you know, just stuff like that, you know. And uh, none of my friends can do that because they know me too well. <laughs> so they'll say, I learned how big of a jerk you are. Well, that's true. So uh, at any rate, um, I just hope you want to uh, give me a, uh, an email if you want to do that. Info at karm.org. And I have questions. You can email me questions too. So a lot of fun, a lot of stuff, and uh, I enjoy it. All right, now. Oh boy, oh, I get to put, uh, probably tonight I'll do it um, on the, I keep forgetting to, I just got so much to do on the calendar. Uh, I'll be heading out to Indiana, Pennsylvania, the city of Indiana that's in the state of Pennsylvania. I'll be flying out there Friday. I'm going to be at a conference Friday night. I won't be speaking Friday night, but I will be, oh, excuse me, sorry, good yawn there. I will be speaking twice on Saturday and then flying back uh, probably around three-ish or so, whatever it is. On Sunday, getting back here, so uh, not a big deal. Looking forward to doing that, and a lot of good people out there. I've talked to a few of them on the air, or excuse me, on the phone, and just really great people. They just love the Lord, and, and it's going to be a real pleasure to be with them. That'll be a real blessing for me. All right, so there you go. Hey, we have uh, we have uh, let's see, three open lines: eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Let's get to Jason from Arizona, Jason. Welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. I appreciate you. You've been uh, helping me grow in my Reformed faith, um, answering all kinds of questions that I have. I have so many questions. But um, today I wanted to ask you about um, Romans 9.13, where God hated Esau, and uh, your take on, I know like Arminians and most Christians soften that blow, and they'll try to say, oh, he just loves them just a teeny-weeny bit less than he loves the elect and so forth, um, ignoring the vessels of wrath and destruction and so forth. But can you give me your take on um, the reprobation of Esau and God's hatred towards um, Pharaoh and the unelect? Wow. Um, wow. So what you're asking for is, uh, those are fighting words for a lot of people. So what I'm going to do is just give the best answer that I understand. And P- 
people, in my opinion, generally speaking, don't understand the, the deeper things of God's revelation to us. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying, hey, you have to be smart like me and learn what I know and I have all the secrets. I'm not saying that. The Bible does teach election, and it's clear that it does, but so many people just reject it. It does teach predestination, and so many people reject it. And the reason I believe they do is because they've been introduced to the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Caucasian surfer Jesus. And so it's not a true representation. And I remember when I first started learning about this stuff, particularly out of Romans 9, I was just aghast uh, by what it actually said. I said, it can't mean what it actually says. It has to mean something different. So I, too, softened it and um, until I realized what I was doing. So when we get to the issue here of uh, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated in Romans 9, 13, what it says is that Jacob, uh, he loved and he hated Esau. That's what it says. And uh, when people say, well, it just means he loved him less. Well, there's a sense in which that's true, because in Romans 5, 43 through 48, God loves everyone. But the kind of love that's being spoken of there is the providential love, that he lets the rain and the sun shine on the and fall upon the good and the bad, and that they can enjoy life and things like that. However, um, if you read what Romans 9 says, starting in verse 9, uh, at this time, uh, sir, we'll have a son, and... Uh, in verse 11, the twins were not yet born, so that according to God's purpose, his choice, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said, the older will serve the younger. So most people don't have a problem with verse 12 in that it was, that God ordained one to serve the other. Well, okay, well, I, I can get that. It wasn't based on their works, you know, not yet born, had not anything good or bad, but according to God's choice. And a lot of times they they want to go back to the Old Testament at this point and they want to read a context and then they want to import the context into here and say this is why God did what he did and what they don't realize what they're doing is they're saying that God shows favoritism and favoritism is negated in Romans 2.11 and, and uh, James 2.2-4 2 through 4. favoritism is where God looks upon a person seeing what quality he or she has and then bases his a decision to save or, or not save based on what's in that person well that's favoritism and God doesn't show favoritism he doesn't display his kindness upon the unregenerate for how good they are and he knows what they'll do if he chooses them and, and, and saves them and this is this is a, a very weak uh, view of, of uh, Trinitarian theology dealing with the the immutability the aseity omniscience omnipotence of God and his eternal decrees and so people who don't study those things what they do because they don't have those kinds of values in their theological um, box they don't know how to deal with some of these issues as well and so when it comes up to something like this uh, Jacob I loved Esau I hated they're, they're gonna say things just like you said they're gonna say well uh, he loved him less well, it doesn't say that he says he hated him and uh, it's from uh, we have to understand it's it's uh, it's an issue of, of, of actually hate uh, miseo is the Greek word miseo means to hate uh, to uh, an active will in words and contact a, a persecuting spirit 
it stands opposite to agapao, to love. And so we see that that's the case, and we see that God loved one and hated the other based on his sovereign choice, not because of anything foreseen that they would do. And that's uh, what Romans 9.11 says. Now, in light of that, some people say, well, no, God doesn't hate anybody. And I have to correct them and say, yes, he does. Psalm 5.5, 5, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. When I show that to people, they're often shocked uh, God actually says that. You know, the psalmist says that about God. You go to Psalm 11.5, the Lord tests the righteous and the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. So God hates those who love violence. He hates those who love iniquity and do these things. And people are shocked by that. Well, I say, well, that's what the scriptures say. And so the problem then becomes how do they incorporate the truths of God's word into their theological perspective? One of the ways I will do that is by going through Romans 9 and teach them and say, uh, here's what it says. It, uh, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. The older will serve the younger. It wasn't based on any foreseen ability, anything in them. And then the test to see if you understand what is being said is in verse 14. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. So, wait a minute. If God's going to love one and hate another just because that's what he chooses to do, that's not fair. Well, yes, it is fair. Uh, he, that's what he says. And he, and he said, well, there's no injustice with God. That means you're understanding what God's teaching. If you were to interpret the text, Jacob is a nation and Esau is a nation, and they have free will individuals within those nations, and so those individuals were able to make choices, and so God loved one nation more than another. Well, then why the objection? That he, uh, that he, you know, that you say it's not unjust with God. Well, that would be just, wouldn't it? So the problem here is that a lot of times the, let's just say, call them Arminians, um, they will soften stuff so much that they don't realize what they're doing. But Paul goes on to say, uh, you know, for he says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. The word whom in the Greek is in the singular and uh, it's, a real, it's an accusative singular uh, form and so it's not talking about plurality and he goes on he says what is uh, it does not depend upon the man that's in the singular also who wills with the man who runs but upon God who has mercy and then for the scripture says to Pharaoh for this very purpose I raised you up Pharaoh's an individual and he says uh, to demonstrate my power in you and you can remember that Pharaoh at one point wanted to let people go and God hardened his heart so he wouldn't and there's reasons for that. And then verse 18, so his mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. And the whom there is in the singular also. So it doesn't depend upon uh, us for God's mercy, on our foreseen goodness, what we'll do, our sincerity of heart. It doesn't depend on that. So that he, just, he has mercy on whom he desires, he hardens whom he desires. Old people are like, well, that's not fair. I mean, that, that doesn't seem right. Well, that means you're, you're understanding the text of what it's actually being taught here by Paul. And then Paul answered, well, who will say to me, uh, why does he still find fault? Why does he resist as well? In verse 19, that's where the, uh, the objection is. Well, why does he still find fault? Because if he's having mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires, well, then he still, still blames them because he's the one hardening them. And that's the natural objection. That's what you'd have to ask if you're understanding what he says. And then Paul doesn't give an explanation 
and justify it. He just simply says, on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing, that's a singular, molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me, make me like this? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? Now, I've done a research on the word vessel. Whenever it's in reference to it's one vessel, in, in reference to people, it's always individuals. It's people, individual people, individuals. So, uh, or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? What people will do at this point is say, what if God did it? It didn't mean he did it. It doesn't mean he did. It means what if he wanted to? Well, let's work with that. Let's say he wanted to. Then what he's saying is that's what he would do if he wanted to, right? then you still would have the same objection because it means that this is what is be right according to God's nature and according to his understanding. And the objection would still stand. But some people like to say, well, what if means, ah, he just thinks about it but wouldn't really do it. Really? Is that what's going on there? There's the softening again to make it fit their presuppositions. And he says that uh, he endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. That's what they're prepared for. And he did so. Uh, to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. So what Paul's teaching in Romans 9, 9-23 is God's sovereign right to do with his creation as he desires. Humanism is the philosophy that human factors, human sensibilities, human standards are what we're going to judge scripture by and God by. And it's a normal thing that people do, but it's all refuted by Romans 9, 9-23. All right, we've got a break, so please hold on. I'll be right back. We'll get back on with the phone here with you after the break. Please stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. If you want to call me, it's 877-207-2276. Now, before we get back to Jason, I can see the callers and the the, um, the producer. He writes in who what, and the guy was, the next caller was going to talk about Justin Peters. I say, what about, you know, a question about him. Well, I know Justin, so I texted him during the break. Hey, Justin, there's a caller. He wants me to talk, talk about you on the air. He says, if you want to listen here, come here. And so then I look back on, he hung up. Like, oh, man. So, uh, hey, if you're out there listening, you want to call up about Justin, uh, please, you know, call back. Anyway, let's get back on the air with Jason. Hey, Jason, you're back on. Hey, Matt, I appreciate it. A wonderful explanation. I know it's a tough text for most people to to um, take in because they only view God as only loving, but we know that hell exists and we know that election exists. So um, I always, when I talk to Arminian people, I say, even if it means that Esau was loved a little teeny weeny bit less, that little bit less means he wasn't elected. God did not regenerate him and the wrath of God remains upon him. So I'm not going to stick my head in the sand like an ostrich and ignore the text and uh, I appreciate your further explanation. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite texts in the scriptures, uh, of all things, uh, that. Um, Romans 9, 9-23, uh, Colossians two fourteen, Romans five eighteen, Ephesians 1, 4. 
And the reason those are, are my favorite uh, sections of Scripture is because they reveal to me the greatness of God. You know, when I was in seminary, went to Westminster Seminary, and I, remember, I still remember this. I've said it so many times over the radio over the years. But uh, I remember where I was sitting. I remember the classroom. I remember the whiteboard and the, you know, the different colored markers the professor could use. And in the class, he said, gentlemen, and with no ladies in the class at the time, and there were female uh, students there, and that was great. But uh, in this class, I don't remember any women. And so he said, gentlemen, I'm going to um, tell you one of the most important things you're ever going to learn here in seminary. And I remember being intrigued. Because, uh, this is exactly what I'm, I'm here to seminary uh, to learn. And he wrote on the board, there is a God, you are not him. And I remember being disappointed because I, I said, well, of course. And over the years since I've graduated, I've come to learn how important that statement is. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that the more I learn about God, the more I learn about the distance between God and myself, uh, aside from the, you know, Christ. I mean, Christ, he, he brings us together in fellowship and intimacy. But without Christ, without the mediator, the high priest, the distance between myself and God is, is just infinite. It's not like God will look upon me because I am, I have a sincere heart, or uh, I can be used uh, because uh, I'm pretty nice. Uh, no, none of that exists in me, because God is the standard of righteousness, not me. And as I've learned that over the years, I've learned how great He is, and I've grown to appreciate. I just thought of something. I've grown to appreciate His greatness. In fact, you know, I'm gonna say something here years ago I remember back in the uh, the 80s uh, I worked at uh, a big company in Fullerton California and I remember walking the halls uh, daily and I remember a certain point in time uh, praying and asking God to renew in me that initial baptism of the Spirit that I'd received where it was an insatiable desire for God and he had done that to me God had where I was reading the Bible four to six hours a day and going to Bible study six nights a week and it was just insatiable and it was a blessing from God it lasted for a couple of years a couple three four years I guess and I'd grown th through it and I found myself coveting it and wanting it and desiring it and looking for that experience again and again and that initial experience of my first conversion my first conversion my conversion at 17 when I was first converted to the very presence of God himself and the holiness and the power and I wanted it again and it's never come back to me and over the years as I compare that almost idolatrous desire for that experience again because that's how much I wanted it I've, I've kind of matured and come to understand that the reason I believe the reason he's not given that to me again is because he wanted me to learn and build a teach and to not look to an experience but to learn about him he's given me so much in his presence as given to all of us but he also wants us to press on to more mature things and to leave the elementary principles behind and uh, and be renewed by the renewing of our mind and uh, these are the things 
as I grow older and I'm 66 now, that I look and I say, I say, um, it's a pleasure to learn more about God. I want to experience Him, of course. But I've learned so much, and I'm seeing that as a great thing. And it it exposes light upon my heart and my soul, and shows me how great His grace is. And uh, He's wonderful. And that's, those are the reasons I love those kinds of verses. Ephesians 1.4, Colossians 2.14, Romans 5.18, um, Romans 9.9-23, because they're about Him and His greatness, and not mine. And uh, that's what I say. Anyway, you just got me thinking. Amen. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Have a great afternoon. And thank you for that question. You got me musing and thinking, and, and uh, I appreciate it. God bless, buddy. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care. Okay. All right. Hey, folks, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-7276. Let's get to Luis from Youngville, North Carolina. Luis, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Uh, it's actually Lewis. Um, I get that a lot. Lewis. Here. Yes, sir. <laughs> and it's Youngville. Okay. We're just uh, about 20 minutes north of uh, Raleigh in uh, North Carolina. Uh, thank you for taking my call. So, um uh, the gentleman before me, if uh, if I heard the conversation correctly, was describing uh, Esau as being loved less or whatever. And I really uh, appreciated what you had to say on Romans nine. That was that was very uh, very edifying. So thank you again for that. So my question: um, We usually think of hell as not a loving thing, but isn't mm-hmm. uh, it's just something I've been thinking about? And maybe, maybe I'm totally off base in this, but isn't God? you know judging sinners in hell a loving thing because he's not allowing them to continue in the notion that it isn't okay to sin and violate his holiness um let's uh take a look at that you see god's attributes are love goodness mercy um he he has personhood he hates he he loves he he can be grieved um you know we can deal with it with right. the impassibility of god and, and things like that we'll get into that right now and so i'd like to tell people that god works through all of his characteristics let's just use them a broad term right all at the same time his love his justice his mercy all of his characteristics are equally present in who and what he is as he relates to us so it we get back to the break, we'll talk about hell and we'll talk about stuff. And by the way, everybody, uh, Justin Peters is not listening. So if you know who he is, he's listening. <laughs> so, hey, Justin, how you doing? So we'll be right back, folks, after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. And I'm chatting with Justin in the uh, on the phone text, but in the break. So, uh, Justin Peters. For those of you who don't know who Justin Peters is, I'm just going to give a plug for him. Justin is a great guy. And uh, I forgot what his issue is. Uh, 
cerebral palsy? No, I, I forgot. At any rate, he wheelchair bound, and uh, he goes all over the place preaching and teaching the gospel. He does a great work in um, exposing the word of faith um, NAR people. He, he's really good, and um, he has Justin Peters Ministries. I should have him on sometime just to talk. Uh, we've done stuff together before and spoken at conferences and things like that. So he's a great guy. And so someone was going to be on the air asking about him. I thought, hey, I'll just text him. And he he actually was listening or paying attention. So he's trying to. He doesn't have a Rumble account, so he can't get in there with you guys. But uh, and now <laughs> there he goes. He he says, oh, cerebral palsy. Thanks. That's what he has. And uh, and he's a good guy. So uh, I just told him uh, in the text that they're in the text area in the chat. They're loving on him. He goes, ah. So there you go. Love me some Justin Peters ministry. That's what Mr. Kitt says. See, it's great. You know, it's a lot of fun. All right. Let's get back on the phone here with, oh, and thanks, Mr. Kitt, for the $12 Rumble rant. I really appreciate it. And praise God. Let's get on with uh, Lu Luis, right? <laughs> no, Luis. Lewis. What is, Lewis, darn. Man. Lewis. Okay. I should it's know okay. that. They mess it up at Chick-fil-A every time I go through their drive-thru. Yeah. They do the same thing, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's because they right. spell it phonetically, um, and it's fine. I think it, Luis is with an E on the end, so i got to pay attention. All right, man. So what do you got, buddy? Well, yeah. So I was just asking you about um, hell and it being uh, oh, yeah. like a loving response to uh, unrepented sin. Right, like God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden because it wouldn't have been a loving thing to have allowed them to stay in the garden, partake of the the tree of uh, eternal life, and then uh, live forever that way. And so, um, I was just wondering, like, is that like a legitimate thought? Uh, like, uh, how might you go about articulating that if if you agree with the sentiment? Uh, it's just something I've been wrestling with lately uh, because so frequently hell gets pictured as this unloving you know thing um and so uh if god who is love is acting um out of his love and holiness um it seems like then uh hell might be then a a loving response to sin if we're not going to repent of it wow generally discipline uh, loving discipline is for the act of correction to bring people to a place of repentance but this isn't the case with damnation okay. it's it's an eternal judgment so i wouldn't say that okay. it's a loving discipline upon them i would say that it is a righteous judgment i don't want to separate okay. all of god's attributes as love and stand it against right. his uh, judgment and, and stuff like that but we have to talk about them uh, episodically you know but between one with another and contrast them and compare them so right. we know that uh, that God is loving, and I, I believe that there is a sadness to a degree within God's heart about those who don't come to him. He desires all to be saved. Right. I certainly do not know how all of it works. Now, I think I've got some answers in some areas, but, you know, I, I'm going to be corrected when I get to heaven. So uh, sure. he all is judging <laughs> them. Oh, yeah, yeah he, I'm going to be corrected, that's for sure. And... Uh, so I would say that what he's doing, because it says in Psalm 5, 5, Psalm 11, 5, he hates those who do iniquity. And uh, right. he gives people over to the depravity of their heart and their mind, Romans 1, 24 through 32. He judges them, and there's a hatred uh, upon them for that sin and their love for evil. And that's Romans 5, uh, 5, and Romans, I mean, not, excuse me, not Romans 5, 5, but Romans 11, 5. Let me try this again. Psalm 5 5 and Psalm 11 5. Yes, sir. <laughs> for that. So, uh, 
So I would say, I get what you're saying, but I, I wouldn't apply it that way. I would keep it, just me, my opinion, I would say it more simply, he has hated them and he has judged them and they are judged for their sin. I would also say that there is, um, probably is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there is, let's put it that way, a grief in God, God's heart for their rejection of him and the damnation that's necessary. So I don't want to say mm. it's all up to the individual because God works all things after the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11. And we, right. you know, as we went over at the beginning of the show, Romans 9, 9 to 23. And then there's Proverbs 16.4, which says, God makes all things, even the wicked, for the day of judgment or for the day of evil. Yeah. So it's like, man, how does it all fit? So yeah. generically, God loves everybody, Romans 5.43 through 48. But there are the elect whom he loves salvifically. And then there's yes, the sir. non-elect, what some call the reprobate. Those are the ones he lets his holy justice fall upon. And uh, there's hatred for those who love iniquity and who love sin. And so all of those blend in together. God hasn't told us how it works, but those are just the truths revealed in Scripture. And so what I like to say is, that's about as far as I can go. I don't know how to make it all work perfectly. So Right. Okay. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, just wanted to say thank you for what you do. Uh, I really enjoy your show and uh, have been very blessed by it uh, for a number of years now. Um, I, I heard you mention recently, uh, within the last couple of months, and you'll forgive me for for uh, you know I've slept since uh, since I heard it, but I know you had uh, sparked the conversation about baptism uh, and why you um, feel like um, sprinkling is more in line with. Um, than full immersion, and so I don't know if you've talked about that since I heard you, like, kind of broach the subject. Um, ha have you? Yeah, I I, uh, I can talk about it, um, and it's just, it's some... It's well, no, you, you have writing. talked about it, I don't want to... Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't want to um, take anybody else's space, I just didn't know if you had written on it. I know there are a lot of articles on Carmen. and I haven't had an opportunity to search for it. Yeah. And I figured since I got through when, I, when we were listening to the break, I was like, oh, let me ask you about that before I get off the yeah. phone. Well, the basic uh, view I hold is uh, that Jesus was sprinkled and not immersed. And the reason I say that, and this isn't proof, but this is what I lean towards, is because of him having to fulfill Levitical law to enter into the priesthood, and one of the requirements was a sprinkling of water on him. And I can, and I've written on this, I've talked right. about it many, many times. And then there's the issue of how the Holy Spirit is prophesied in the Old Testament as being poured. And that's how it's he's spoken of, right. as being poured upon, poured, poured. And then when you go to um, Acts 1 and 2, it talks about the pouring of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It has to be the Holy Spirit being poured. And so, and it's talked about yeah. as what baptism. So I can see places where sprinkle and pouring are in reference to the word baptism. Furthermore, if you go to Hebrews okay. 9 10, it talks about various washings. And the washings yep. that are mentioned are sprinklings uh, in the temples and things like yep. that, and sacrifices and blood. And the word washings is baptismois. So it's like when I see this, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, and people say, well, Jesus went into the water. He came up out of the water. And then I, what I do as a response to that is you go to the last three verses of, of Acts 8, and it says that the Ethiopian eunuch and uh, Philip both went into the water. 
and after they both came up out of the water. Well, to come out of the water, if it means immersed, then if they both went into the water, then they were both immersed. But that doesn't make sense. So uh, it would uh. so it would make sense as to say they both walked into the water, I don't know how deep, up in their hips, whatever. And then uh, maybe, right. uh, maybe, maybe dunked him underwater. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think it, it could have took in his hands and take water in his hands and poured it over his head. I don't have a problem with that. And I think it's possibly could have taken a hyssop branch because that was kind of typically how it was done in the Old Testament. Take a hyssop branch, dip right. it in and things and sprinkle it on the thing. So it's possible, even though I don't lean that way, uh, linguistically and logically, biblically, it's possible that that was a method that was done. But people will say, no, baptism huh. always means immersion. No, it doesn't. It certainly can. But I've shown people repeatedly right. over the years that it can have these different meanings in different contexts. And they go, oh, you're right. That's what it says. And, and that's yeah. all, you know. And if people, in fact, when I baptize people, the only one, I'll tell you this, the only one I've ever uh, poured uh, or sprinkled poured combo on was my son when he was born and he was dying in our arms. He had a birth defect and he was dying. And so oh, wow. and I, yeah. I, 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 I took water and poured it in my hands over his forehead and baptized him. Aside from that, every baptism I've ever done is by immersion. And I just prefer immersion. I think it's cool, you know, the totality yeah. of it. I like it. And so, you know, that's the short version. Quick and slow. How's that? Then, right? What's that? <laughs> I'm sorry? Well, you can trademark that. No, I was saying um, <laughs> you can see where sprinkling or pouring um, mm -hmm. would, would obviously be legitimate options as well then, right? Yeah, I think they're, I can make the case for their legitimacy. Um, and I know for a lot of people, this is really foreign to their ears and they've been taught certain ways, certain times. And it took me three to five years before I started saying, you know what? I I'm just going to realize and say this over the air that, yeah, here's some options. And, and I show this to people yeah. and, and people are just very interested. And, and if they disagree, that's okay. I'm not going to die on that hill. And that's it. Okay. Yeah. When I, when I had a church history class and we talked about, uh, pouring in, uh, uh, like in the baptistry for the ancient mm -hmm. church, I thought that was just like a a really neat picture too of like you're symbolizing yourself dying with Christ. It's Matt Slick live, taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I've been uh, texting with uh, Justin Peters and. and uh, during the show and uh i'm gonna see if i can get him to get on here in a week or two and uh stuff like that but I, you said we it kind of just came up a spontaneous thing justinpeters.org check, check out justinpeters.org he does apologetics he does a different kind of a way than i do and he uh really exposes the heresies of the false teachers out there within the christian context and it's a lot of good information it's just jaw-dropping in fact i remember this when i was at a seminar i was speaking he was speaking and andrew Rappaport was speaking right out someplace out there and uh you know i've seen it all i've heard it all more or less you know but man i couldn't believe what i was hearing when justin peters was showing stuff i was like are you kidding me <laughs> even i was shocked it's amazing stuff we'll see if we can get him on the air all right all right so uh let's get to let's get to sean from lexington winston-salem sean welcome you're on the air hey i've been reading revelations and i can't figure out where these people are coming from on the new earth after god creates it because i know we're not going to be given in marriage and all that so where are these people coming from 
the new earth. Okay. So you talk about Revelation. Yeah, Revelation. God, yep, God creates the new heaven and the, and the new earth, and he brings mm-hmm. the new Jerusalem down from heaven. Right. So, you know, it, it, we're going to be there for, forever and ever, so the earth is going to be populated, but where are these people coming from? Well, one of the theories those is that... Are not, there's not going to be any procreation, uh, but one of the theories is that uh, we who are resurrected will uh, be able to be on the earth uh, with the, with this new city, yeah. if it's a literal city. We don't know because it's talking about New Jerusalem and it's humongous, you know, fifteen hundred mile cube kind of a thing. So, are the numbers representative of something? Is it literally a new city? We don't know, but uh, there are. Yeah, there's some different theories about it. So let's just say that it was literal. Well, it can't be a fifteen hundred cube mile thing literal i wouldn't think that's literal i think that though the idea of a city that's coming out is uh is is interesting i don't remember what 1500 cubed is 1500 yeah, it has to be really bigger <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, it could be and uh maybe the flat earthers would like that one they could use that and say if it's flat if it's really big then they could be it would work <laughs> so <laughs> yeah right that. so uh if there is a new city of some construction, uh, then uh, we'll be able to be in it. Remember, we are going to have our resurrected, glorified bodies. And we don't know yeah. what that's going to entail. We don't know where we're going to be. We don't know how it's all going to work. We're gonna, I believe we're going to be able to be in the presence of God directly in heaven. We'll be able to be here on earth in the new heavens and new earth because that's where we were made to be. And I think that uh, I suspect this. Since 98% of all species have ever lived are now extinct, I suspect that what's going to happen, this is just a, a suspicion in a good way, that God is going to restore all of the life forms that have been there, that he created. And we're going to just be able to see a whole bunch of stuff. And just as Jesus was able to move uh, at will, apparently, appear here and appear there, I'm hoping that's what we can do too. And we don't have to eat, though you can eat. Uh, we'll be able to enjoy the earth and its pleasures, uh, the fruits, and the, if we want to eat, and the, the fellowship of one another. I suspect these kind of things are going to be there. The greatest pleasure, of course, would be in the presence of God himself. And I personally hope uh, that I'll be able to travel the universe and look at this, the creation of God. And, you know, sometimes that reminds me, some people say, well, why would God create the entire universe so big if uh, it's just one planet with life on it? Why do the whole thing? Well, maybe that's one of the reasons. Well, to show his great glory, his great power. But also, I mean, you know, there's quadrillions of, of, um, of galaxies out there. Billions and billions and billions of them. So maybe we'll be able to just go to them and look around i don't know to me that sounds awesome i'd love to go hopping on the moon you know you know i'm just smiling who knows what's going to be but nevertheless back to your your get on topic here so uh there's been different offerings of explanations for those things it's spiritual i don't uh, don't know uh, exactly how it's going to be and um it'll be wonderful either way well, because, you know, it says that the rivers will flow from the throne of God out to the earth, and the tree of life and, you know, will be on each side, and, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And, right. And it says that in the Lamb's Book of Life, if your name's not written there, you're not allowed into the city, which right. is suggesting to me that there's going to be people who are populating 
forever on this planet, and we're ruling over them. And there's going to be nations, economies, and so right. forth. So seems like it. It could be. Where these could be, but then if it's the healing of the nations, you eat something for that. It's very symbolic, so it's not something yeah. I've gone into very much in depth. But um, uh, it, it, it's you know it's worth. It'd be great if someone out there has studied this and just it's one of their main uh-huh. focuses for years. I'd like to talk to somebody who has. Well, here's one of the theories. Here's one of the things we yes. see. I don't, I don't know anybody like Me that. Me too, but. because you know the cube reaches out to about 250 miles into space on this earth so the new mm-hmm. earth to contain that would have to be real big so yeah, it's, it's really interesting you know study and i'm trying to find materials for that as well so i'm kind of hoping yeah, it's you know, uh, fun yeah it's it's humongous and i gotta find out where that is it's been so long since i've studied it but it's a good question and uh, there's just a lot of symbolism there so i don't know exactly uh, how it would work i just don't i don't okay Sorry about that, but I wish I did. Yeah, if I wasn't on the road, I'd have it looked up for you on on the Bible app, but I don't have it looked up right now. All right, well, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. Well, God bless. All right. Yes, sir. Well, that was Sean from Lexington, and uh, if you want to give me a call, we have wide open lines, 877-207-2276. So now in the chat, we have nobody waiting, so I'm going to go to a little bit of chat. In the chat... uh, Someone says, now I, I always thought Matt was from a distant planet. Now he admitted it. <laughs> so there you go. I think Matt Slick would be raptured by a UFO. Thanks a lot. Um, so <laughs> any rate, we do have fun. If you guys want to watch, participate, you can go to rumble.com forward slash Matt Slick Live. And uh, all one word. And you can uh, join in. All right. Since we don't have any, oh, there's someone coming in right now from Salt from Ogden. We'll get to that person here in a little bit. Uh, let me just remind you that we stay on the air by your support. If you'd be so kind as to consider supporting us by uh, just going to karm.org forward slash donate, uh, you can do that. And also, there's another way to, to uh, support us uh, is just you can buy the schools and get something. You can get a lot of information in the online schools. So what you could do is go to learn.karm.org, L-E-A-R, and, and just learn.karm.org. And uh, we have these three schools are $33 each or all three for $75. And um, there's schools that I've written. It took me months and months and months to write. Uh, there's a lot of information in there. A lot of people have, have uh, really said some positive things about about it. Oh, a caller gets a caller's not coming in now. And so, uh, you know, that way you can support the ministry and you get something and uh, it's very useful uh, to you and it's very useful to us to uh, be able to keep the lights on it, you know, if you want to look into that. Learn.carm.org. So, and also please uh, pray because we do need the prayers. Uh, this ministry is, is a tough one and a lot of ministries are coming under attack now, even more and more. Uh, they're, they're coming under attack. And uh, in fact, that reminds me. I have my notes here. I'm going to show you something here. Not a big deal. I, I've been uh, collecting stuff. So when I finally want to get together and do this, uh, little things. In fact, if uh, then we got a caller coming in. If you want to, you can you can email me at info at karm.org. You can email me headlines of persecution of Christians and and things like that. So a uh, Christian teacher loses job uh, refusing uh, to deceive parents about uh, kinder, kids' gender transition. So he told the parents, 
this kid's going through a transition. You should know about this. Your own child, and he got fired for it. Now that this is insane. Uh, let's see. California school board president faces backlash, calling Christ-centered parents to get involved in curriculum. So, if you support Christianity, you're penalized. This is the stuff that's going on. I have a lot of headlines like that. Um, and so, if you guys want to send me some, uh, that's fine. Christian coach fired for stating views on obvious sex differences. Let's see. UN report suggests LGBT theology should take precedence over religious freedom. So, folks, you know, hey, you got stuff like that? Send them to me. Just give me the entire URL. That means HTTP, you know, www. Whatever it is, that way I can go check it out. All right. And just send it to info at carm.org. Steve from Utah. Steve, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Matt. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I can. So, what do you got? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to ask you uh, what your thoughts on cremation is, because uh, it's something I'm considering. Just so I don't, because it's so much cheaper for you know family burden and everything like that. And I'm a Christian, and I, I'm hoping that I am saved. I believe that I am. And if I was cremated. How does that resurrection piece work? I understand God created man from dust, and ashes are dust. So he can put the ashes back together, I guess? Of course he can. So he's the one who can put our our bodies back in a resurrected body. So what do you do with people who, like uh, in the space shuttle, uh, you know, that were burned up on reentry? What do you do with people burned in yeah. fires, extremely hot fires? How about people that uh, died, you know, five thousand years ago, and, there, and there's nothing left of them? So the result of cremation and just uh, very slow decay is the same. Nothing's left, and God is certainly able to work through all of those. Cremation is a viable option. Um, you know, it's, if it's easier in the family, and uh, you know, I would consider that as well. Um, and that, that's it. You know, so there you go. Yeah, and it was mostly just you know the burden it puts on the family and the financial burden it puts on everybody. And um, I didn't think that it was an issue. Biblically, is it an issue or? No, it's not. The Bible doesn't say how we're supposed to be buried. It just says we're buried. People were buried in, in open caves. And it's sealed off. That's the tomb. So They're buried that way. What are your thoughts on it? Do you think, I mean, is it something you would actually consider even? I, yeah, um, I'm so, tra- I'm, I would not prefer cremation. Uh, I, I just prefer the burial of a, of a body. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's just what I'm totally accustomed to. I'm not accustomed to the other. And so... Yeah, you understand where I'm coming from, though, with the financial burden that it puts on the family. Absolutely. And I don't want to have that be a burden on the family, and I actually consider it having that done. That's right. In fact, someone just put something in, and I should have thought of this. Humboldt Clay, thanks, Humboldt, for saying that. Martyrs were burned at the stake, burned alive. They were consumed. Right. So... So, you know, there's nothing wrong with, uh, I, I wouldn't say anything wrong at all with being cremated. You know, I mean, there were okay. people buried at sea. And, uh, you know, if they're going to be in, in space, yeah. it's going to happen where they're going to bury people on the moon. It's going to happen when they're going to bury them out in space. They send them out in space, you know. So right. I don't see any problem with it. Do it, go for it, you know. Oh. But whether okay, you're dead, man. of course. Well, yeah, I just- yeah, I figured it was, yeah, I wanted to make sure they've drained all the blood from my body before they put me in the oven in case I might be still alive. But 
I understand that's one of the reasons um, they embalm people because it back used to be that there were people who um, were buried and they, they came back to life in in their uh, coffins. There's reports of that. Right. Anyway, there's a the music video. Okay, well, go. I knew I didn't have much right, time, so I just I just wanted to call and ask a quick question. So. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, we're out of time, okay. but there's the end of. All right. God bless, hey, everybody. All right. We'll be back on here tomorrow. God bless. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.